Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Hope and Struggle. You may have been privy to this episode before. I wanted to re-record an intro, let it air again, put it on as a new podcast because the more the more I grow in years and the more people I help with our fitness business, the more people we talk to with Hope and Struggle, the more relationships that I'm building online, it's becoming more and more apparent to me that this is all a mental game. Mental clarity, mental drive, perspective, everything revolves around this. And you may believe that, you may not, but I am here to tell you at my ripe old age of 46, oh, I don't even like saying it, I know more and more that it is about the mental game. In this episode, you're going to hear one of my mentor and one of my close friends, Shalene Johnson, basically interviewing me about what it was like to grow up chubby. I grew up chubby. My sisters and brother would say I was cute, but they were always like gorgeous and they were so beautiful. And your brother's so athletic. Oh my gosh, you're pretty. And after a while, you grow up and you realize that no one is saying that about you. And it's not that I wanted that. It's just you see the division. And you're wondering, what is it about me that's not good enough? What is it about me that doesn't, you know, matter? What is it about me that doesn't match up? And God really showed me some major things beginning from the age of 12. And I'm going to share that with you in this episode. But coming off of a really tumultuous, difficult um, faith, just infused time, I am even more now of the knowledge that our health, our spiritual health, our mental health, our physical health has to do with not only our choices, but where we are mentally. We've got to do everything we can to be as healthy as we can, because the way our world is, and by the way, I'm not being cynical, but the toxins that are in our food, the toxins that are in our air, the toxins that are in our makeup, our lotions, products we use. The th- I mean, they're everywhere. And if we don't make an effort on our part to get as clean as we can and to do things that are as healthy as possible, we're going to have so many problems when we get older, you guys. And if we feel bad, we do not live out our purpose. If we don't feel like it, we don't reach out to people for God's glory. If we do not feel good about ourselves, we're not good wives. We're not good husbands. We're not good moms. If we don't feel good about who we are and who we are in God's eyes, we're not going to make the choices that we're supposed to make. Just think of this for a second. Think of the last time you were sick. Maybe it's been years, and I hope that it has been, and maybe it's been really recent. Did you feel like getting out, putting on makeup, and going and being a positive influence to others? Did you feel like sharing the gospel with someone? Did you feel like praying for other people? No, you don't. And you guys, when we don't feel good, we don't do the things that, we're, that, that we should. It is a simple fact. And going through this season, which, by the way, if I haven't got a chance to tell you, Lee just got off a major, major cancer trial. He's at home now. We were in Houston and in the hospital, both of those for about six weeks. It was ridiculous traveling between where we live and Houston and trying to be a mom and trying to keep our business afloat and running and thriving while trying to be the wife Lee needed for me. And in the midst of that, my mom was found in her house unconscious on February 7th of 2019. I don't know when it is you're going to be listening to this. But she was in a coma for for 12 days and then had a respirator in for 18 days. And then we had to move her to one particular hospital, then move her to another. And now she's at her house with my brother and um, his 
his long-term girlfriend taking care of her, but she's still struggling. She's not right mentally. And it is such a strain, you guys, on me and my family and my husband and everyone involved dealing with all of these things I just mentioned to you. And God has shown me some really cool things from all of this. And one of the most important things that he has revealed to me or maybe reminded me of is how important my daily mental game is, the perspective I have, the ability and the choice to cut off every negative thought, every negative comment from every person, whether they're close or far from me. Any people that bring drama and negativity, I love them and I pray for them, but I do not want them near me. And that is not me being rude, friends. That is me protecting this house, this body, this mind, so that I can do what it is that God wants me to do within my little section of the world. And I am trying my hardest not to well up and cry because it is really hard to get rid of those people that say really mean and negative things about you. But what you have to understand is this. Those people don't pay your bills. Those people don't raise your children. Those people aren't married to your spouse. Those people don't need to take care of the things you need to take care of. They don't know what you know. They're judging everything that you're doing based on their current level of knowledge and their experience. And you've got to ask yourself, is their current level of knowledge and experience the same as mine? No, it's not. They don't know what you've gone through. They don't know on a real personal level what it is that you've been through and what it is you've learned and what it is you've had to say no to and the things you've had to just sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice to do what it is you feel that God has drawn you to, you guys. And through that, you mature. Through that, you grow. And through that, you aren't bothered by the petty little thoughts and by these by these critics with no credentials that are saying these things to you. And so once you start cutting that out of the way, then we can kind of start focusing on what it is we should do. But the mental game is everything. And we cannot grow until we deal with all of the things I've mentioned, plus everything that we've grown up believing. And I don't know that we'll ever be 100% free of those thoughts and those feelings and, and those things that we were told or that we believed when we were young. But I do know this. You can use those for God's glory and your good. It is a way that we can connect with others and go, I get you. I feel the same way. You know, I grew up like this too, or I grew up with this same kind of mom, or I grew up with this same kind of learning disability, or I grew up chubby too, or whatever it is. Instead of it being a crutch, it can be a platform. And I'm bringing this episode back to you because I think it's imperative to who you are And while many of us try to get rid of our background, our rid of our history, you guys, God put you there for a reason. He had you grow up in that story for a reason. God is weaving together the most amazing story with this world and your life through those ups and downs. And I'll be honest, I think we grow the most through the struggle. I think we become closer to the person that God wants us to be and the person he's designed us to be. And I believe living out our purpose when we go through the struggle and realize what we've learned. Here is one of the greatest travesties that I know is having the same maturity level at 46 that I did when I was 30. Having the same maturity level at 56 that I did when I was 40. Do you know what I'm saying? Think of all those people that 
you may love, they may be relatives to you, they may be friends, they may be acquaintances, but that are still doing the very same things, going in those same cycles and those same circles and just doing the same stinking things that they did 10 and 15 years ago. You guys, when we look at that stuff, we have to make a note to ourselves, and it's what not to do. Hashtag what not to do. My sister Renata and I, when we would see things we didn't like, whether it was within our family or even the things our mom would do, which my mom, my mom is great about guilting us. Hello, I think it's a mom trait. Not this mom, what not to do. But my sister Renata would text me or tell me something that my mom did or, or that someone did. And I'm like, oh, what not to do. So it's like almost like I want to learn from that because it made me feel so gross or so terrible or it gave me such a bad taste in my mouth that I want to think, okay, what not to do. So wherever you are right now, whatever's going on in your life, I want you to know I'm praying for you and I want you to pray for you. I want you to pray for those around you that don't get what you're doing. If you're like us and we've had this side hustle that became our main hustle 11 years ago, all of those people that asked us, why are you doing this? Soon came around and asked us how we did it. And it's really hard to not be bitter of those people that told you it would never work, that would make fun of you think that you're just putting pictures of your face on social media because you're a narcissist. Those people don't know what you know. They haven't been to the trainings you've been to. They haven't read the books that you've read. They don't understand that that connection is what might feed your family. That connection is what starts a relationship with someone else to where somehow, some way, you could eventually share the gospel with them. Yeah, maybe it starts out with your lotions. Or for us, maybe it starts out with your workout programs and nutrition. Maybe it starts out with your CBD oils. I don't know. But if we can use everything we've been through, the things we know and the things we've learned, sharing, when someone likes you and trusts you, then they decide to follow you. They decide to kind of get in your fitness family, so to speak, or whatever it is that you know you do. But we can never get better until we silence those critics and we decide that everything we've been through can be a platform to reach others and to give God glory. So that being said, I'd love for you to listen to it. And if this is your second time, will you listen to it with New Year's? This episode of The Shaleen Show, one of my favorite podcasts ever. I highly recommend you follow it. Chubby Kid Mentality. What's up? What's up? What's up? Hey there. Welcome to The Shaleen Show. And thank you so much for tuning in to this series on, on body image. This is a really important conversation, especially for those of you who have struggled with body image. Perhaps you're married to someone who struggles with this. And most importantly, for those of you who are parents, because as you will hear with the guests I'm featuring this week, they carry with them a single comment made by one adult as a child. The countless letters I receive from women and men that describe this moment when an adult or more often than not a parent made a comment about their weight or their body that whether they meant to be uplifting or motivational or helpful, it doesn't matter. You know, I've, I've just got letters from I don't know how many people who've said that haunted me the rest of my life. And it was the start of an eating disorder or it was the start of a terrible relationship with my body and food, etc., Words are extremely, extremely powerful. They can lift us up, they can transform us, or they can hurt us. 
What I want you to take away from this series is that each person's story is their own story. It's your own personal perspective. It's how you've processed information and knowledge and messaging as a child and how you've carried it forward. I'm featuring stories this week that I hope will inspire you to help you realize that if you just do a little bit of soul searching, figure out where some of this stuff started and whether it makes sense or not. Like, do you really deserve to feel the way you feel about yourself and your body? Are you truly lovable? Are you valuable? Are you a good person no matter what size you are? I know you know the answer to that question, logically, but sometimes it's, it's hard to own it. So I wanted to bring to you stories, starting with my own, and today, that of Mindy Lawhorn. Mindy Lawhorn, many of you may know her from the Turbo Jam DVDs. Now, that's a series of infomercial DVDs that Mindy was the modifier in all of those workouts. If you own those videos, you'll know who I'm talking about. She stood directly to my left, and she was known as, quote-unquote, the modifier. So she would do things at, like, a lower intensity. And Mindy just has this quality to her. People would say, I watched Mindy in every single one of your videos because I felt like she cared about me. And she never said a word in those videos. She was a cast member. Her eyes and her face are, she's just one of those people that you know she's a nice person. And I think most people look at Mindy because she's been in not just Turbo Jam, but she's also been in the Pio DVDs. She's been in countless exercise programs created for instructors. She's a master trainer. You know, she looks amazing. She's got this incredible body. She's built a fitness empire with her husband. And so I think because she just looks so fantastic and she seems so confident and outgoing that people assume she's always been that way. I have to read you this quote from Steve Furtick. He says, the reason we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes with everyone else's highlight reel. You know, that's really all we're seeing of people, most people, is we're seeing their highlight reel, especially because of social media. You're seeing what people look like after they've put filters on photos and standing tall and smiling confidently in a photo. But we don't really always know what's going on with people behind the scenes, what they're thinking about themselves or, or their true struggles. And that's why I think it's so cool to have a platform like this where we can be honest and we can talk about these things and we can, we can share a, a variety of perspectives. Monday's episode has been by far the most um, controversial and perhaps overwhelmingly downloaded episodes I've ever done. In that episode, I talked about my own body image. I wanted to bring to you three different types of stories this week. And there's a hundred different types of stories, but I wanted to bring you three different stories. And I started with my own. My own is to summarize, and I hope you'll go back and listen to that episode, but I haven't struggled with body image the way many other women describe. Like sometimes I even wondered if I should be harder on myself because I have friends who are definitely leaner or taller or thinner or whatever. And they would always talk about dieting or working out harder or, you know, would refer negatively to their bodies. They'd say like, oh, I'm fat or, you know, oh, I look terrible. And I always thought, well, gosh, I don't feel that way about myself. Maybe I should. So I, I knew, I've always known I have a strong, confident, healthy body image. And in that episode on Monday, I, I talked about how the only time in my life that I didn't feel that way is in these moments when I would film consumer videos. And it wasn't the filming of the video. It was more so, it was more so how the day starts each day when you go to film a video, which is with a group of people standing around whose job it is to make sure you look fantastic. 
and they, you know, they have to figure out what what it is you're going to wear and and how you look in it and how you look in it in each and every light and is it see through and and is it flattering and it's this really weird awkward thing and it's just it's my own situation but I don't like it it's really uncomfortable and it's a weird way to start a day when you want to feel really confident and excited about what you're doing nonetheless I've done 150 plus exercise videos I happen to hold the Guinness Book of World Records for having done exercise videos so obviously it can't be that bad or I would have stopped doing it a long time ago nonetheless it has helped me to figure out why it makes me unhappy and and recognizing that it's not the videos that make me unhappy. It's it's doing that thing every morning before we start filming. And I described it in that episode in great detail, like you will think you are there with me. And I heard from because I've done 150 plus videos. I heard from a lot of people who I've worked with who are, you know, they were sad and felt like I was maybe saying that they made me feel that way. And that was not the case. It's just my own experience. And I say this to you because there are things someone who meant nothing but love for you may have said something to you that stuck. And maybe you received that message in a way they didn't intend for you to receive it. Nonetheless, you did. And we just, we have to look at these things and we have to unstick them. And I don't think it requires confrontation in order for us to resolve these things. I think we have to figure out where it came from, understand that a lot of the messages that haunt us today, we received as children. And so our logic was not that of a grown man or a grown woman. My guest today is Mindy Lawhorn. She's honest. She's real. She cares. And through her struggle with her own weight and her own body image, she has found and is living her purpose. Mindy Lawhorn, are you there? I'm here. What's going on, sister? I am so excited to talk to you. So people, I hear it all the time. I love Mindy. I look for Mindy in the videos. I look for her face. But people, they look at your face and they know that. And they, they look to you in so many videos for just that camaraderie. And I think people have this connection with you. You know, I remember the first time I met you, I thought, that girl is so pretty and so beautiful. I bet she's just like really full of herself. So, you know, but now we've, how long have we known each other? Uh, I think 13, 12 or 13 years. 12 or 13 years. Then what I love about you is how humble and honest you are. And uh, I thought there's no better person I can think of to be honest and help people with this conversation we're having about body image. When they see this, this woman, this beautiful woman who's married and has a handsome husband and this amazing body and she's in fitness videos and they think you've always looked like that and you must have just incredible confidence when it comes to your body image. Is that the full story? No, it's like I cannot stop laughing from hearing you say these words because I'm like, I feel like you're talking about somebody else because it's so not me. I remember being very young and like you saying those things now, I'm like, who are you talking about? Because I still see myself kind of as who I was, even though I know where we are now and I'm so thankful for it. But at the same time, there was so much struggle that went through both internally and externally to mm. finally be confident in who God has made me. Mm. Because just real quickly, I grew up the last of five kids. My mom was married previously and had three daughters and a son. And her ex-husband just sort of left and you know that's kind of neither here nor there but she came back to texas a single mom of four kids mm -hmm. and she met this very handsome very wonderful man that's hard for me to not to even cry to talk mm -hmm. about but 
my dad was a single dude. He had like a motorcycle and like two motorcycles and a car. And he, <laughs> Jimmy, he fell in love with her and these three kids and a son. Mm-hmm. So they got married and then they had a fifth kid, which was me. I grew up with these three beautiful sisters, an awesome brother. And by the way, I had a wonderful, wonderful family life. It was crazy and loud. And there were seven people. But I was different genetically from my sisters. How so? My sisters were very small, petite, dainty. My mom was super dainty. And I just remember like, you know, I would grab my mom and she'd be like, oh, you're hurting me. You're so big. <laughs> you know, you're so big. Stop. And, and while that sounds funny, I just always got in my head. You're big. You're big. And while my sisters were small and cute and pretty, and I had genetics of my father. So, yes, we had the same mom, but we had two different dads. My dad was a great guy. And he technically raised all of my sisters. They call, you know, called him dad. So as far as the love factor and the foundation, my dad was the rock of our family and an amazing guy, but I look like my dad. So like, just put this in perspective. My three beautiful sisters look like my mom, smaller, dainty, just sort of everyone wanted to, you know, date them or be them. And then I came out and I just was a little bigger and a little, I don't know, Just, I'm just going to tell the truth. Just sort of dorky. I was uncoordinated and, uh, you know, unathletic. And I was just the typical baby sister with pigtails and chubby cheeks. What's the first memory of thinking to yourself, I look different? Yeah. Well, I remember looking at them and looking different and everyone called me cute and chubby and they never called them chubby. I have lots of memories, but one of my memories is I used to stay two days a week with my great aunt and she was awesome. And by the way, she's the one who taught me to cook and the way she cooked y'all we're from the mm-hmm. South here. She had a can of bacon grease. She'd be like, this is how you make gravy. And I was like, okay, <laughs> we, make, we eat gravy. And one point she said to me, now, Mindy, I don't want you to worry about anything. You know, you're a little different than your sisters. Even Inez, her neighbor, was saying to me the other day, you know, Mindy is just not like the other girls. And my aunt said, well, I told Inez, you may be different looking, but you have the biggest heart of all of them. I am probably five or six. And I remember going, what? Like, what did? Well, and so she didn't say you're bigger. She didn't say you're fat. She didn't say you're chubby. She said different. Yes. But to me, I knew while maybe no one had ever specifically said, I knew I didn't look like them. I knew my hair was different than their hair. My legs and my hands and my feet were different. I don't think anyone ever said you're fat. You're not you know, thin and beautiful like they are, but there's just this feeling you get. People treated them differently than they treated me. Mm. I remember my mom saying to me, if you would just suck in your stomach a little, you know, trouble point is your stomach. That's all right. Mm. You know, Mindy, it's all right. You're just, your trouble point's your stomach. And at that point I'm like, it is. I mean, I remember uh, going at one point to get photos for school and I begged my sister, six years older than me, can I please wear some of your clothes? Can I please? And so finally for picture day, she said, you can go in my closet and pick something to wear. I was ecstatic. You know, I was like, yay. This was probably fourth or fifth grade. And so I'm digging in her closet and then I start pulling out what I want to wear and I start trying them on. Nothing fit me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm like kind of trying to add this up, even though I'm only fourth or fifth grade. I'm like, they're six. She's six years older than me, but yet I don't fit in any of her clothes. Mm. One of the things I remember, this was in sixth and fifth grade, and this isn't like sob story, but I'm trying to connect the dots. My mom started letting me wear makeup. So I remember in, I think it was the sixth grade, I had this little round tube of lipstick and it was, I was so excited to wear it and I wore it. And I heard a guy behind me, you know, kids say mean things, but he said to me, I don't know why she's wearing lipstick. It just makes her look that much more like Miss Piggy. (gasps) But it, fifth grade, I'm like, ouch. 
Yeah. Did did you did you do you remember being sad about it? Do you remember? Don't think about it. I remember wishing I was different. That's mm-hmm. the biggest part. I never really thought I was less of a person, but I was never the girl the guys liked. You know, I was never, you know, the girl that was picked. During this process, too, though, you have to understand that I was already praying about it. I, I remember being 12 years old and going, all right, God, you and me. Because nobody else gets me. Nobody else, I feel like, loves me like you do. And I believe he put something in my heart that you are special. You're made for more. That was about it. Well, let me ask you a couple questions. Sure. So looking back now on photos, because, you know, there's this perception that we have as children. I don't know if you've ever gone back to look at your childhood home, but it it seems so small, you know. And Mm -hmm. looking back now on photos of yourself with your family. Do you feel like that perception was accurate that you look so different? Were you a chubby kid? Were you a heavy kid? Was there a weight problem? I just was like my dad. My dad was a big guy. He um, was thicker in the middle. He had big, broad shoulders and big hands. And I kind of do, too. It's just how I'm shaped. And I wasn't necessarily super overweight, but I was definitely bigger. There's a picture that my mom recently found where I'm probably five. You know, my sister's six years older than me and literally we're the same size. Mm-hmm. Like my head is as big as her head. <laughs> Looking back, I have to tell you that they're just really small people. Because mm-hmm. once I got in the real world, my size eight foot, which at the time they told me was so big that I didn't need skis. I could ski down the mountain with my feet, which is a joke. <laughs> it's not that big in the real world. I'm only five, six. I'm so picturing that that scene in Elf. Where it's all oh, the kids in the school classroom, and that was basically you and your family. Let me ask you about that comment your mom made, and yeah. because of um, you know the consumer videos that I do, I get letters from mainly women. They remember like one comment. All of these letters have this piece in common where they'll recall a particular comment that stayed with them the rest of their lives. And then suddenly from that day forward, something that they'd never given thought to before, like the fact that their uh, neck wasn't long enough or that their thighs (laughs) were rubbing together, that it wasn't an issue until an adult pointed it out. And from that day forward, it became their nemesis or the part of their body they had the most disdain for mm-hmm. had you thought about your your stomach before that moment and how did that carry forward for you that has always been the spot for me mm. that's and, and it and, and i don't really have a small waist so that kind of adds to it but yeah my stomach is definitely the worst part still to this day and even after having two kids it's something that well I've, i'm in way better shape than i ever was you know back in the day but it is always still something i'm super uber conscious about mm. and i'm sure that's part of it and i have no negative feelings to my aunt or my mom on any of this but it set like a category or i don't know in my head where that's always been there mm. it just is now because you you had the sense from a very early age that you were different Mm-hmm. That you that people treated your sisters and your brother differently, totally. that, that you were bigger and that you weren't as accepted, that it was just you. Were there things that those thoughts did to shape your personality? How were you different? Oh, my gosh, totally. I'm like, well, if I can't be cute and pretty and athletic or super smart, I'm going to flip and make everybody like me or I'm going to make them laugh. So to me, I was like, I'm going to be funny. So that part, I think I probably tried to make bigger and to be kind of a class clown and to be funnier. And I was always Mm -hmm. very like physically funny, Mm -hmm. but I would be the one that would like wrestle people or I would be the one that would fall and trip. (laughs) You still are. And I have to ask you this. 
and I, I don't mean to make you feel uncomfortable, but I, I hear this all the time because you are beautiful, like intimidatingly beautiful. And Ooh. I mean, that was my first thought. I was like, oh, this girl's so pretty. Did you get that comment that I often will hear? Oh, you have such a pretty face. Oh, my gosh. Never. And that's what's funny. Like, you even saying that. Did you like say I never? Never. Really? Like, I don't remember anyone ever Did saying you, not, you, you had to be cute. You saying that makes me laugh because I'm like, who is she talking about? Um, I just I'm so thankful that I figured out how to do my hair <laughs> and my makeup and things like that. But no, they did it. They would always say, oh, but she's so nice. Oh, OK. Oh, she's so funny. Oh, but she's nice. And I'm like, well, shoot, that I'm be flipping nice. <laughs> did you feel like there were times that you had to I don't want to say be a doormat, but let people say and do things that uh, maybe some maybe if you were thinner or smaller, you wouldn't have to put up with those things. Oh, totally. Give me some examples. Well, one thing I remember in high school, this is really bizarre. But I remember in high school, I had started going to Weight Watchers. My mom let me when she was so worried that I was going to get, you know, super into it one way or the other. But I actually loved Weight Watchers. It taught me a lot. Did you ask to go? You said, yes. Mom, can I go to Weight Watchers? I was. I was a junior in high school. Mm-hmm. And in where I grew up in Wichita Falls is a very small town. Well, all three of my beautiful sisters were cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dang it. I'm going to be the only one that's not cheerleader, even though I can't jump or tumble. <laughs> and so you have to, at the end of your junior year, try out. And at the beginning of my junior year, I was like, I'm so tired of being heavy. I've got to figure this out. I know that it can't just be, this is my lot, you know, in life. So I asked my mom, can I please go to Weight Watchers? She had a very long talk with me and she finally said yes. But I remember losing some weight and getting to buy a skirt that was a lower size. Mm-hmm. And um, by this time, I actually had made cheerleader and that was like so fun. And I was just sort of the goofy, you know, I was the base. Hello. Everyone (laughs) stood on me, but it was fun and I loved it. But I had bought a size four skirt and that was unheard of a four. The skirt honestly wasn't that cute, but it was a four and my booty fit in it. So I bought it. And I remember telling one of my girlfriends on our cheerleading team, oh my gosh, look at this. This is a size four. I'm so excited. Well, one of the not, not so nice girls picked it up and she's like, oh, this is a four. Is that right? put it on, held it out away from her stomach and like ran around the room. Mm. And I remember just like sitting there and just laughing with everyone. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But in my heart, I was like, what, what a mean girl. And I was just <laughs> like, why does this still hurt so bad? Yeah. And yeah. why is it still okay to make fun of me? But you don't know that at the time you just feel the pain. Don't. But at the yeah. time I was just like, ouch, ha ha ha. But I kept laughing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I didn't want to make it weird. What about your dad? Because your dad, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he, he knows that you've taken on a lot of his physical attributes. Right. Did your dad ever have, um, you know, did he ever say anything about your appearance or? You know, the only time we ever talked about it is when I told him it bothered me. Mm. And, and my dad was a great, awesome man of kind of few words. And he just said, well, Mindy, if this bothers you that much and you don't think this is how you should be, then you should probably do something about it. Mm. And that was kind of the beginning. I remember that was probably freshman, sophomore year. And I was like, oh, boy, that day, because I was crying, of course. And it was, you know, a high school emotional female moment. And my dad was just, you know, the guy you could talk to at any point. And he said, I want to share something with you. He said, a lazy person wants it all and gets nothing. He said, but an energetic person will have something to show for their lives. Mm -hmm. And later on, of course, I found out that was scripture, but I didn't know at the time. Really? And I was like. Dude. And okay, now I just have to say that myself as a kid, I probably would have taken that personally and said, Dad, are you trying to say I'm lazy? Well, 
my dad was trying to help me. But did you, what was your thought when he read my that to you? My thought was my dad is a very, he's a mentor. He was a truth teller. He's just like, look, you know, you mm. don't need to sit here and feel sorry for yourself. You either need to figure out you're not doing something you're supposed to, or you need to get off your booty, you know, and make something happen. And I didn't take it wrong at all. It's just kind of how my, how my mm -hmm. dad was. I mm -hmm. actually liked mm. him when he yeah. talked to me that way. Yeah. Cause it was up to me. You yeah. know, I started learning the older I got, a lot of this was going to be up to me. And even though I knew I was meant for more, I looked like this and I felt like this. So I had to figure out what part of this I had control over and start making steps to be better. So I want to ask you about two questions, um, two areas, actually. Number one, when is the earliest you can remember thinking that you needed to diet or or to do something to change your weight? Probably seventh grade. Now, this is this is important because we had to do the president's, you know, fit physical fitness test. Oh, yeah. And if you want to talk about being mortified, okay, I was in seventh grade. I wasn't very tall, but I was a big girl. And I remember stepping on the scale and they would yell out your weight. No. And I was like, bah! so the girl in front of me gets on there like 89.5 pounds. <laughs> and I'm like, Dang her. You know, uh. then the next girl gets up 97. My, I get up there. I'm not joking you. I stood on there and they go 124 pounds. And I was the heaviest girl. Wow. And I just remember like, swallowing. I mean, what do I do? They just yelled at my weight. It's obvious by looking and how everyone heard it. But do you realize now, I mean, as an adult, this was what grade? Seventh grade? That was in the seventh grade. Do you, you realize now though, at 124 pounds, it's not even possible that you were the heaviest girl, but that was your experience. It was my, it was what it felt like. That's what it felt like. And, and I think that's what's really important for people to take away from these episodes that we're doing on body images. Yes. It's, it's like the one that I did sharing with people how my brain processed just someone saying, hey, why don't you change into a longer pair of shorts? Mm -hmm. They didn't say, you know, we can see that your thighs aren't as tight as we'd like them to be or <laughs> your, your legs are too big. Or, they didn't, no one said that. Maybe they right. just maybe they could see my underwear. Who knows? <laughs> but in your own head, you you take these messages and you process them. So at 124 pounds, it's not possible that you were the heaviest seventh grade girl. It's just not even possible. But for you in that moment, that became your reality. It was. And I wasn't tall. They announce your weight in front of the world. Yeah. It feels like I just can't even believe how mortifying that must be for a child, especially a girl. And and so you decide what? I just went back and stood with everyone else. And I just remember like kind of staring at the ground going, what I'm pretty sure everyone already knows just got said out loud. Mm. And at that point, you know, in the whole juncture, I mean, if your life and the whole juncture, I mean, just at that point in the seventh grade, there is no, oh, but your dad is a different genetic than my dad. There is no, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. oh, well, they're just, you know, more, I don't know, fit than you or they're more um, active than you. There is none of that. It just, it is what it is. And you are big and you're not that cute and you are different. It's just a weird feeling being in there. And I don't want this to come off as I was poor me, poor me. It's just, I know what it's like to feel mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And just to know you're always different. Did you play it off and did you joke about it or were you truly sad in that moment? And then is that when you decided to start dieting? Um, I don't remember like being sad. I just was like, well, everybody knows now. 
you know, I just was like that. Mm-hmm. I remember going um, back. My mom had worked out and it was a good thing. It was very positive. I remember the lady had on um, a belt with her leotard and <laughs> I adored her. I she was my new hero. But that was when she went to the YWCA and I went with her a few times. So I kind of got aerobics a little bit. And I remember I had my sister's full body leotard and I decided to go home <laughs> and put on my full body leotard, <laughs> shut my door, turn on you know, music and just watch myself in the mirror workout. I don't even know what I did. Mm-hmm. I, I did a lot of running, though. I know that and <laughs> watched my body in this leotard that really I should have been wearing. <laughs> But I do remember going home and trying to work out, but I would like work out really hard. and be like, oh my gosh, I have to be thinner now. And then of course I would go and eat whatever was in the refrigerator and whatever mm-hmm. was at the house or where my mom cooked. So it, the, the connection of what I needed to do hadn't come together yet, but I was aware that I was not physically where I wanted to be. How did you feel about exercise? It didn't bother me, but I associated exercise with being athletic. That's how I associated it. I didn't really think... Working out just had to be had to do with consistency and your will. I thought it you had to be inclined to be able to work out well. So were your sisters, they were working out and your family's athletic. And so you're thinking, I better not do that because I'll fail. I wasn't thinking I, I would fail. I just look so dumb. And I oh, just okay. felt like I would go to kick the ball and I'd whiff. You, you don't have any confidence when it comes to your physical abilities. Am I right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Hey guys, sorry to interrupt, but it just seems like such a perfect place to remind you that you don't have to struggle with self-doubt. You don't have to constantly be wondering what people think of you. For many people, they think it's their weight. They think it's their body image that's the reason why they struggle. When the fact of the matter is, for most of us, it's confidence. Because I can tell you and I can show you people who are incredibly lean and strong and have quote-unquote the perfect body and they still struggle with their confidence. I'd like to share with you a video I've created on helping you to develop confidence. You can receive this free video by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips. Do yourself a favor and check it out today. So how and when did that change? It changed, I really think towards the end of high school and when I went to Weight Watchers and I, I just have to be completely honest here. I don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable, but I was praying all the time. Like I was in my bedroom all the mm-hmm. time. You know, Lord, I need your help. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm not created just to be nothing. I know that there's more. Please help me. Please help me. And while I believe he was totally building my character at the time, I finally was like, I remember what my dad told me, which was a scripture in Proverbs, mm-hmm. that I need to do my part. I need to figure out how I can get healthier, get better. Yeah, I may not be, may never be able to play basketball, r- run track well, but I know that there's more to me. I know there's mm. more to this. How can I be a better version of myself? And how can I like enjoy what I'm doing instead of being a, kind of ashamed? And so I think that's when I started going to Weight Watchers. I started working out. And what I mean by working out, I would literally walk three miles and I had a cassette tape that I would flip. Mm-hmm. And when I had flipped it, I think four times total, I usually was hitting my three mile marker. Wow. And, and would you say that it was like a, it wasn't like a, a light switch, but just a slow transition? Slow transition. But I started enjoying those walks because I was not only thinking about life, but I would pray and I would be like, I'm going to do this for me. You know, I just wanted to do it behind the scenes mm. so that I could kind of figure myself out. 
And when was it you actually looked in the mirror and said to yourself, I look good? I don't know. That's hard for me because I'm not sure. God, I don't even hardly want to admit this, but I'm not sure to this day I literally look and go, I look good. Really? I feel like I'll, I feel like I'll look and I'll go, okay, this isn't too bad. All right, this will work. Hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I'll be. That's, go- it's honest. Well, I, I can joke with you or I can joke with my husband and be like, that look good. But I don't know if I truly still or if I truly have ever believed that. I'll mm-hmm. be like, okay, that doesn't look so bad. Wow. I don't know. I just have never felt that way. Mm. So there had to have come a time, though, when you said, I look, okay, this is okay. And this is good enough for me to now think about teaching fitness classes. Totally. So tell me about that. So, um, I, by the way, I made, made cheerleader in high school. It was fantastic. Congratulations. And it was because, thank you. It was because <laughs> of, I had the most amazing friends in band. Yes, Aww. I said band. I made it because of my band friends. Thanks, friends. But <laughs> I remember being in college and I was going to, you know, these fitness classes from that very same lady that wore the belt. And she said to me, and by the way, I was a little heavy still. She said to me, you should start teaching. And I literally looked behind me. Are you talking to me? She said, yes, why not? And I'm like, I don't fit that, you know, character. She's like, you're, you don't understand what it's about then. And I remember very clearly going, driving home in my beat up Honda Prelude going, (laughs) if it's not about looking good in your leotard, which by the way, people were still wearing those back then, then what is it about? And then I, you know, I started figuring out it is about helping others. It's about me making a better version of myself. But when I taught others and helped others, oh my gosh, that felt so good. And it was fun. And in fitness, being loud and funny and and energetic is actually needed. It's like a, a job criteria, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I've always been loud. I've always been energetic. Uh, shoot, let me try this. And that's when I started teachings in college. So tell people, where are you today with your own body image? And just, you know, tell us what you do now for a, a job, your living, um, yep. how, how you believe perhaps your past affects you today. Well, going through all the stuff I told you, it's like I say almost with a smile on my face now because it was for a purpose. I know that God allowed all that to happen for the purpose that I believe I'm living out to this day. First of all, um, I'm married to a wonderful man. We have two boys and I believe I am living my purpose, which is so random or seldom that you get to hear someone say that because I enjoy the fact that I grew up chubby. I am happy that I still kind of struggle, not only with my eating a little, but the weight fluctuates and that I have that kind of chubby girl mentality because it allows me to connect with so many people that either grew up the way I did or are dealing with body image issues now. Mm. What is the chubby girl mentality? I just think the chubby girl mentality is that you're never really pretty enough or that you're Mm. never going to be cute enough or that no matter how amazing your body can look or no matter how the light can even shine from you, you always still, I don't think you're inhibited, but you just always in the back of your mind feel like, just like when you're complimenting me, it's like hard for me to go, that's me. I'm kind of like, (laughs) (laughs) you know she's talking about me and I don't I love it and I believe that you're telling the truth but it's hard to accept Mm -hmm. that's honest I don't know if it's because you want to stay humble or if it's just your mind won't let you I mean a part of me is glad I know what it's like to struggle and I know that there'll be more struggles in the future but the body image issue that I believe 
I've put in the proper category is this. I know who I was and how I grew up. And I now know what it takes to be fit and to be healthy. I don't eat the poison anymore. I don't eat the junk foods. I now take the time to understand the right foods. I I feed it to my family. I try to train others on it. And now because of that struggle, because I allowed God to work through that, we number one are living our purpose. We help other people with fitness. We have our own business. We, this is all we do. We've actually, I mean, hit the millionaire mark with our business, which money was never the goal, but man, it's fun to be able to choose to go on trips and pay cash for trips and live (laughs) in a house that you love and have your husband home. But the biggest, coolest thing that I feel has happened through this, Lee and I, my husband and I have got to witness to so many people through our struggles with me being overweight, through his physical ailments, through this fitness business for the glory of God. And we don't make it weird. We don't make it icky. We don't say you have to believe anything. It's just in this specific body image thing, I get to talk to so many people about it. I have, you know, helped people through that. I've been there. I know what it's like. Yeah. And when you say um, for those people who are uh, don't know your amazing husband, Lee, um, what do you mean by his physical struggles? His physical, when I met him, I actually met him at a funeral within uh, 24 hours of meeting him. I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm going to marry this guy. And we were having lunch and he told me at that lunch meeting that he had cancer. Mm. And I remember I wasn't daunted. I was just (laughs) like, I just wasn't like, I was like, okay. I just remember thinking that's another way that God can work. That's another Mm. way we can get through it. So he's had cancer ever since when we've been married, which is coming up on Gosh, almost nine years now. So he actively has cancer today? He, to this day, still has cancer. Now Mm -hmm. it's under control. He has a type of cancer to where medications are working for him. But we've been through six rounds of chemo. And and if you saw him, you would never know it. But through his struggle and through my struggle, and I'm sure others along the way, we are now getting, you know, to help people through that and Mm -hmm. witness to people through that. Mm -hmm. And hope in struggle, like hope through the struggle of whatever it is, you know, we're dealing with and others are dealing with. So when you say that that's kind of how you've discovered your purpose, and I think so many people who listen to The Shaleen Show, are, are they're, they're waiting for someone to knock on the door and say, oh, hey, by the way, I found your purpose. Here it right. is. <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. and but when did you realize that, I guess, how did you come to say, you know what, this is what it is and I'm okay. I, I can understand this now. When did it all right. come together for you? Because people are wait, they want to figure out how to put it together for themselves. I think it's twofold. One of the things was when I figured out it wasn't just my lot in life to be heavy and chubby. When I knew I was made for more, not only, okay, there's that. I know I'm made for more. God doesn't make junk. I'm made with a purpose, but I'm going to have to do my part, Mm. which is I've got to learn how to eat properly. I need to find out the workout that works for me. You know, an unathletic kind of goofy person when it comes to that kind of stuff. And of course, you know, I found turbo and things like that. But when I merged all those together, I realized there was one common denominator that had been with me throughout my entire life. And that was my faith. Mm. I had prayed Mm -hmm. so many times for God to help me with my eating. I prayed so many times, please help me know when I'm about to overeat. Please Mm. let me plan my nutrition because the key was the food, you know, was really what it boiled down to. And I just didn't have good control. So, okay, let me just be devil's advocate here. Um, So if you're praying and and God, God's not answering those prayers for you. When did it come together where or did he answer those prayers? Well, he did, but I had to be an active participant. Mm. I mean, I couldn't just sit on the sofa. Okay, help me lose weight, you know, or help me better. I had to 
research on my own. Mm. My, my main thing was I just needed a reminder and a trigger of, okay, wait, okay, slow down, slow down. You're getting excited, eating too much or remind me to plan or just have an awareness of what I'm eating and when I'm going to be eating and then just eat whatever. It had so much to do with discipline and faith has so much to do with discipline, mm. not just in what we say, how we spend our money, how we save our money, how we discipline our kids, but the discipline of me getting up early, planning. And this was a whole part of the refining process that I believe he put me through. It was all factors of my life. It's just that when I married nutrition and fitness together with my faith and my heart, it all kind of came together. I can't just honestly tell people that the end all be all is losing weight is with nutrition exercise. That's all you need. It's Mm -hmm. not. Mm -hmm. You have to have a reason for doing it. And in my opinion, you've got to have faith and you've got to have someone that you can rely on. Mm. Well, and that it's it's seriously worked for you. And I think it's wonderful that you can honor it. And, uh, you know, I try to give people that opportunity here on the show where they don't have to like go, is it okay if I mention I'm a pastor? Is it okay if I mention my faith? I'm like, heck yeah. This is this is an opportunity for people to make to hear stories like yours of inspiration. And you don't have to agree with it. And you don't have to see yourself in your story, but I'm hoping that people will have an open mind and an open heart and see that there are other possibilities and that, as you said, you can find hope in struggle. And I, I know that's what you and Lee have come together and, and have found to be your purpose. So tell me what is hope and struggle? Well, Lee and I have put together a thing called hope and struggle. It's actually just sort of a support series of videos. Mm -hmm. Is it for people who have cancer? Well, it's for people with any kind of struggle. The first uh, seven videos, which is at hopeandstruggle.com, it's just me talking a little bit about struggle. And it's about my weight loss. It's about the loss of my father. Mm. Um, I was married before Lee. And if anyone's ever been, you know, married before or, or divorced or a single parent, it's so hard. Mm. It is so difficult. And I just share how I got through that and how I still have so much joy today, even though. I know that past Mm -hmm. and it's not just through divorce and being a single parent, but it's bad choices. And it's also dealing with Lee. And one of the most difficult things about Lee having cancer is it's not me. Yeah. Like I, I just wish I could be the one that's sick Mm because then I could figure it out. I could control it and I would at least it'd be me and not him. And that's so hard because when it's one step removed from you, you just, you have to figure it out within your heart and just ask for help. And for me, that was of course through my faith, but with the hope and struggle support series, we have hope and struggle. You know, I have 28 actual total videos now. Well, they're videos that could help anyone that's struggling in any way. And by the way, we all struggle, right? It's not just about the struggle. It's about struggling. Well, there's something we're supposed to learn when we're going through these struggles, but Lee and I are putting together Hope and struggle marriage, Hmm. hope and struggle cancer. Wow. So this is this is a support series. These are videos that people can turn to um, no matter what their struggle. Yes. And it's just something that like Lee and I are coming together. We're excited about the same things. And by the way, he hates being on video. I love it. (laughs) So it's a really funny dynamic. Like It's hysterical. I think it's hysterical. Right. And he not him, not so much. But when he speaks, it's such a grounding factor. That people are like, oh, I get it. Yeah. But there is hope. No matter what the struggle, there is hope. You just have to find it. Well, Mindy, it's been awesome to have you be so honest and authentic and real and and to just share your 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 experience, because here's what I want to say. If people see you 
And they hear you say things like, I was the big girl. I'm big. I've got big feet and big hands. And you've got, you were a size eight. Is that what you said? Yeah. It's not that big, y'all. No, like you're, you're petite by most standards. So I, I just want people to realize that when you say that, that was your perspective. It was my perception. It's not that you're saying anyone else who's, you know, got a foot bigger than a size eight is huge. You're just saying this was, this was my experience as a child. And that's what I've been trying to bring to people all week long is to have, have the ability, the patience to be able to look at your current struggles, to notice when you're happy and when you're disappointed in yourself and, and maybe where some of these things stem from and help us sort through them so that we can, we can process through them. Because now as an adult, you realize, oh, wait a second, I wasn't a big girl. I, I, you know, size eight isn't a big foot. And, you know, I wasn't this monstrous giant human being. And you can look <laughs> at it now with greater logic and put some peace to it. Totally. And and find love for yourself. And and so thank you so much for sharing your very honest story. I want people to do that. Like, you can't be ashamed of the fact that you're like, I feel guilty saying that, um, you know, that I was overweight because now I look back on the photos or I feel guilty right. saying this or that. Like, it, it just we've got to be honest with where these things come from. And that's the only way that we can move forward and be better. I totally agree. And if I could just say one more thing, please, before before um, we're done, it's just that. That was just my perception. This is nothing compared, you know, to anyone else. But I do know this is that we were all designed for a purpose. Everybody's struggles have a purpose. It's just really all how we decide and how we choose to deal with them and how we choose to view them. Beautiful. Mindy, thank you so much. I love you. Thank you. I love you. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for listening to this re-airing of Chubby Kid Mentality. Yes, I know it's my story. There are many stories out there like this, but growing up in this manner, you guys, was pivotal for me. It first was a crutch, and I realized, you know what? There's got to be good within this. God had always told me that I'm good. God has always told me that I'm worthy and that I'm worth something, but I never really figured out how to weave it all together until some things happen. And I hope that this podcast inspires you. I hope that this episode reminds you that you are good enough, that we just have to figure out who we are and maybe why we think things a certain way. We don't have to think the way the world thinks it. I have to be honest, I don't want you to. God tells us a different story in his word. He tells us through the voice of truth what is real. We've got to follow that voice, nothing on TV, nothing, you know, on the internet. We have to follow his word, you guys. That's the way that things will truly be wonderful. That's the way we will truly feel whole, live out our purpose, and be able to reach and help others. If you don't follow Shalene Johnson, will you? She's one of my dearest friends, and I met her, gosh, 16 or 17 years ago because I was teaching her fitness formats. I wanted to be a presenter for her. I had just had my son, Andrew. I'd lost 70 pounds-ish from doing a gym class called Turbo Kick. And she was just like funny and pretty and like girly, but yet tough. And I'm like, yeah, I like her. And I did some stuff that scared me really badly by first getting certified to teach her class and then filming a video to send to California and audition to be a presenter. And oh man, how God has used that decision to get really uncomfortable and to put myself out there and to get better after I put myself out there because, you know, you realize, oh, that was the worst video I've ever seen. But I want to share that with you because what are you right now 
holding back from because you're scared? What are you right now holding back from doing because you think you won't be good enough or you think you're not fit enough or smart enough? You guys, it's not about that. It's about getting into it and then working to become better based on that level of knowledge because your knowledge is going to grow. Your experience is going to grow. Your eyes going to grow from your ability to see things. At first, you won't catch them, but when you start to know what to look for, you're going to be able to see things. I got to turn that, you know, differently. I've got to change that a little bit. Oh, okay. That didn't work. So here's what will work. You guys, nothing's ever perfect. We're going to quote unquote fail at a lot of stuff, but I never believe that failure is really failing. It's just what didn't work. Oh, that didn't work. Okay. Let's not do that again. True failure is quitting. And I don't believe that any of you are quitters. You've got to just go in and go through it. You guys, Google has pretty much the answer to every training we ever need, whether that's speaking in public, doing a podcast, being a fitness presenter, being a teacher, being, I don't know, someone who puts makeup on and shares products. I mean, whatever it is you love, you guys, there's a place for it. But God can also work through whatever it is that you feel that you're supposed to do. Oh my gosh. He will bring the coolest people to you, you guys. And when people like you and trust you, they open their hearts to you. And what a perfect opportunity to share your faith and the reason for your hope. Thank you for being here for this episode of Hope and Struggle. I love you. Please let me know what you want to hear. I want to know what you want next, including eBooks. We're working on our current new next Bible study eBook. I would love to know what you need, what you want, and then let's see if we can't work it into what we're doing. Thanks, guys. See you later.